Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice in easy Asheville steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. If you are a professional looking for a new opportunity or looking to grow your career, then make sure to join my private Facebook group where I post daily content on the job search and career advice to help you get to the next level in your career. I'll put a link in the show notes to join my Facebook group, or you can go on Facebook and search up my Facebook group, Career Advice with Chant with a Plan. Sometimes when you want to take your career to the next level, you may be restricted in your area. For example, if you are currently living in a small city, there might not be as much opportunity for your career growth compared to if you move to a bigger city in your country. And that could be very nerve-wracking and daunting if you don't have the right information in order to make that move a success. So in order for me to give you the best information possible when it comes to whether you should relocate to a new city in order to take an opportunity that will help you get your career to the next level, I have invited Dawn Smith, who has relocated twice in her career in order to grow the career that she wants. So a little bit about Dawn before we get into the episode today. She is the president and CEO of DMDS Partners, Inc., a full-service evaluation and applied research corporation based in the greater Los Angeles region. DMDS Partners provides grant writing services, data visualization, evaluation and assessment activities, professional development, and applied research for the educational and nonprofit sectors. In her spare time, she is an avid hiker and loves playing tennis. Now let's get into my discussion with Dawn on when to relocate to a new city for a new opportunity in order to grow your career. Hey Dawn, welcome to the show. Thanks Max so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. How's your month of November so far? You know, so far it's been pretty crazy, very busy, and uh, I'm juggling a lot of things at one time, so it's been interesting from a time management perspective. (laughs) Great. Well, I really appreciate you taking a little bit of your busy schedule to speak with me because one of the topics that I think some professionals are considering is moving to another state or province, depending on if you're Canada or US, for a job. So... The main topic of our discussion today is a relocation for a job and whether it's the right move or not for your career. So you have done this twice in your career, correct? Yes, I have. I've done it twice. So why don't you give us a quick synopsis of your two experiences with relocating? Okay, sure. So I've worked um, predominantly in higher education in various capacities. And in the first instance, I was a faculty member at a university and was going up for tenure But at the same time, I was juggling some issues with my parents. My parents are older and there were some health issues involved. And in speaking with my advisor, who sort of helped me with my career path once I got the position, was that uh, if I wanted to make a move, I would have to do that before I got tenure because it'd be a little harder once I got tenure. And so in that instance, I was moving back to an area I already lived. But so the considerations of relocating were different, but the job search was sort of very similar. 
In the second instance, I had sort of hit a wall with respect to where I was in my career. And I was missing some of the aspects of the things that I was doing in my previous position that I wanted to do again. And so I started looking for opportunities outside of the state. And so I blindly applied for positions and then got a position and then relocated. So those are the two types of situations. Great. So I'm going to start firing off some questions for you in terms of uh, relocation advice. So let's start with the first one. When should you decide to relocate for a job? What I mean by that is, let's say you live in New York, you're applying, but you're not getting a lot of traction. Or let's say the expenses where you're currently located are too high. So you want to work at another state that's more affordable. When should you decide to start applying to jobs out of state? And when you should you stick it out and just apply within your area? Good question. I think it really is about your experience so far. So for example, if you've sent out, you know, hundreds of, of resumes and applications in the area that you're currently living in, and you're not getting any traction with respect to either interviews or even invited to come in to talk to someone about a position, then I think it's a good idea to start expanding your geographic space outwards and start looking at other areas. And it really is also contingent upon the field that you're in, right? So for example, education, you could pretty much go anywhere. So you're not limited by spatially where you can find things. But if you're in engineering or if you're in certain businesses or industries, they might be geographically specific. So I think your first step is if you've exhausted kind of options and you're starting getting frustrated with where you are, then I think it makes sense to start looking outwards and considering other opportunities. And what states or provinces should you look at? Obviously in the US there's 50 states, so like where should you decide on which state to start applying for jobs in? Sure, I think it's personal. So for me, I grew up in Southern California. I'm not a snow person. I don't like winter weather. And I had gone to school in New Jersey and I was living in New Jersey, which of course experiences cold weather and snow. And I had kind of had enough of that. And so what I did was I kind of looked at what places, first of all, I limited to what places I did not want to live. So I kind of made a list of all of the locations in the country or even in Canada that I was not willing to move to and just didn't even look there. And then started thinking about, did I want to to be in a metropolitan area? Did I want to be sort of, do I like being out in the suburbs, rural versus urban? So there's sort of a lot of considerations that you have, and it really is personal preference in many cases. And I think a couple later questions, I might come back to that because I think when we're starting to talk about actually applying for things and positions and then considerations about relocating, that will come back into play. So let's say 10 might be too much, but let's say the 10 categories that you should rank from top to bottom. So let's say uh, cost of living, uh, entertainment, recreational activities around the area. So how would you, like, what are some of the factors? Like, it's going to be, it's personal preference, right? So the ranking depends on what that person wants, but what are some of the things that someone should consider? I, I think if it goes back to one thing you said before about cost of living, like you're living in a high cost area and you want to kind of live in a lesser expensive area, then obviously cost of living would be a, a, a high factor. Uh, if you're an outdoorsy person or you like to have a lot of things to do, then obviously a rural area or a place that doesn't have a lot of things to do wouldn't be the best place to live. 
But again, if you're in a specific industry or a specific field where you might have to consider places that don't have those, there are trade-offs. So for me, it was weather was the first factor. Cost of living was kind of the second, but I moved from one coast to another. So really the cost of living was about the same. Opportunities of things to do, networking. So again, if there's a lot of other similar fields where you can do a lot of networking, I think that's important. And it certainly helps when you relocate to an area where you don't know people because you already have places to go to sort of get to know certain people. And where can one find this research in terms of like, yeah, in terms of what type of resources can I research so I make the best decision possible for my career? I just start Googling things and keyword search. And so I'll look at Zillow or I'll look at some of the uh, realtor guides to sort of see what housing costs are, whether it makes more sense to rent versus purchase. Uh, I don't recommend relocating and buying right away because if for some reason you take a position and you don't really like it or the area and you've purchased a home, you're kind of stuck there. So I think looking at rental costs and sort of what opportunities are there. I think also if you are an organization, like I'm very involved in community groups. And so Rotary International or Kiwanis or Lions Club or serve other service organizations, they usually have websites. And then they have the, the Chamber of Commerce in any town is a very useful reference because it will tell you about what businesses are there, but also it also has information usually about housing costs, things to do. The town's website will also have that information. So when you start getting specific to geographic locations, you can go to the town or the city that you're thinking of applying in and look at what's there. Those are all really good starting places. And then once you start applying, then you can get into more specific research. You make a good point about like not buying right away. So how long should someone rent before they decide, okay, it's time to buy? In my experience, and when I was uh, mentoring students, I would let them know a year is really a good barometer in figuring out the fit between you and the place of employment. You don't want to jump too quickly between jobs because that doesn't look really good on your resume. But if you've worked for about a year in a location, you can kind of get a sense of the area the employer, what opportunities are, are there within the employer to move up or those sorts of things. So I would definitely say after a year, I would get serious about staying because you kind of have a sense if this is the right fit for you. Great. And let's go back to the applying aspect. So sure. if you're applying from, if you're applying to a different state and obviously you haven't moved there yet, is there a bias for recruiters? How do you try to put them at ease saying, yes, I'm not currently living where you're currently located, but I do plan to move there eventually. That's a really good question. So I had a situation where I applied for a job in Colorado and I actually was brought in for two interviews and they ended up hiring someone that actually was right there in Colorado. And so you'll get a sense of that because in some cases, if you make it to the level where you're getting in-person interviews, if they're flying you in for an interview, that that means that they're considering people from out of state. It really is also contingent upon the types of jobs you're applying to. I think if you're willing to relocate, one of the things you want to make sure when you're doing your preliminary research and applying for these positions are asking the HR person that you might be dealing with, does the employer cover relocation expenses? If you're only going a few towns over or even within the state, it isn't as expensive as you know relocating across the country. So you want to make sure you would know that in addition. 
so to add to that, with COVID, like you could uh, interview anywhere because of Zoom, right? Like before that, right. you it's usually an in-person after a phone call. So as things go back to what we call a new normal, <laughs> right? how do you think it's going to play out? So let's say you do a phone screening, but then they want you to come in for an in-person, but they're not willing to fly you for the interview. Can you make a suggestion to do Zoom only or is there going to be a conflict there? You can, but I think if it's an employer that isn't willing to pay to have someone come in for an interview, then they're not really keen on bringing somebody in from out of state. And that's a good tell with respect to how how likely are they to cover moving expenses if you were going to accept the position, and it's probably not. And you would want to know that up front. But for the most part, going back to that normal, in education, of course, they do that a lot. So if you're applying for a faculty position, they're interviewing people across the country, even across the globe. So most universities or educational institutions are willing to bring people in from outside. But otherwise, I would say having a good conversation with the HR person as you're applying and sort of asking some questions is a good way to get a feeling for how open are they for individuals applying for various positions coming from out of state or, or even out of the country. And if you get the sense, my feeling is I always go with my gut feeling. So if I get the sense that they're not really keen on helping someone who's applying from somewhere far away, the indication is probably they're not going to be very positive when it comes time to actually hire you. Does company size matter? What I mean by that is bigger companies, again, they're more likely to sponsor. They're also probably likely more likely to fly people in compared to a smaller sure. business in that area. So if you're looking to relocate, should you just focus on big companies that you know have budgets? I would say no, because that's underestimating the small business. I think if you're a really good fit for that business, they would subsidize some, if not all of the costs. And I've seen that. I always tell individuals that I'm talking with, don't limit yourself. Open yourself up to as many possibilities as are comfortable for you and then see what happens. It's always better to say no than it is to not have the opportunity to say yes or no. And so don't limit yourself to large corporations because, again, the applicant pool could be much greater, right? Sometimes with companies that are of a larger size, it means they're getting hundreds of applications for positions like Google, for example. Everyone wants to work there. So, you know, they're, every position that opens, they're getting a lot of applicants. So your pool is greater and your chances of getting the position are a little bit lesser but there's more opportunities in some cases with smaller companies, even mid-sized companies. And again, if you're the right fit for that company, I think they're more than willing to work with you with respect to relocation expenses. Okay, so to add to that, let's say you do get an offer out of state, but there's no relocation as part of the compensation. Or like, do you have to ask for it? How would that work? That's a really good question. So in the case of my second relocation, the company actually did not pay for my relocation expenses. And so, (laughs) but I really wanted the position. It was working at the Library of Congress. So it was in Washington, DC. It was very cool. I'm a politico on the side. So I kind of love being in that environment and I love doing research. So it was a research position, a research management position. And it was also in DC. And so I made the trade-offs. Like I wanted the job. So the pay was good. So I kind of counterbalanced that. I think, again, it's worth to ask but then you have to ask yourself, if they're not willing to pay the relocation expenses, are you still willing to take that position and sort of bite the bullet and do that? It's a comfort zone, I think. And 
in regards to relocation, so correct me if I'm wrong, uh, in the US, it's usually two weeks notice. Right. Okay. So let's say you, you got this job offer. Uh, you can't move right away because uh, they, they expect you You do two weeks notice. You'll be, you'll be starting in two weeks. Like what's the longest that you can give a company saying, hey, I need about a month or two before I can move? Like, is, is there a guideline in terms of like how much the company can give you to relocate? I think it's company specific and position specific. So I think if you know, they're hiring to fill a need and that need is sort of immediate. There might be some negotiation. I think coming out of state, especially if it's across the country or in an, into another country. So for example, I was applying for some jobs in Toronto. I think if I was applying from California to Toronto, they would give me a month because it takes that amount of time to like get your affairs in order, pack up your things, get there and, and that sort of thing. Uh, same thing with cross-country moves. but it really specific to the individual company. And that's why I think an open dialogue and sort of getting a feel for how open are they to various things and how willing are they to want you. Now, of course, you couldn't stall for two or three months. I think that would put the company at a disadvantage. But certainly, I think, and in my experience, three weeks to four weeks is not out of bounds when you're moving pretty far for a position. Let's say they don't provide you any relocation financial assistance. How much should you budget for relocation? And like, for example, like what would you sell uh, so you can make the move as uh, seamless as possible? I- I'm talking from a single perspective, but we can talk sure. more about like family a bit later. Oh, yeah. And that's completely different, right? So if you're single, you've got a little bit more freedom and flexibility. Whereas if we're, you're married or if you have a partner and then you're dealing with another person and all of that management, let's just stick to the single because that's a little less complicated. I think if you're moving across the country, the less that you can bring furniture wise and all of that, if your relocation costs are covered, then I would say take whatever you need. There's always places to get furniture and things. You can find furnished apartments, especially if you're going to relocate and start by renting. That would be my suggestion is try to keep your costs as low as possible and get a feel for what's available, what style you're interested in, what you want it, you know, how small, you know, you could go as small as a studio apartment to, you know, a large two bedroom where you have an office in your, in your place or even a home. So it's really more contingent upon where where you're going, how you're starting off. If money's no object, then it's whatever you're comfortable with. Now, in my case, I think my re- relocation costs to get to DC were about $5,000. And that was taking absolutely no furniture because I was in a furnished apartment, so I didn't have to bring anything with me. So really, it was taking personal objects, clothing, uh, actual travel, getting on the airplane, and then bringing, you know, shipping things. That's a pretty reasonable cost. Uh, across country. But, you know, and then globally is completely different, right? If you're moving from one country to another, and especially if you're going from North America to somewhere else, like I've had friends that have moved to Europe and taken positions, then I think it makes sense to just keep your costs as low as possible. Once you get in your location and you start working, then you can start purchasing the things that you need based on where you're going to live. I won't go too in detail or in depth in this. So let's say you do have a family or you at least have a significant other and either want to apply out of state because there's just not enough opportunities or the company wants to promote you, but you have to go somewhere else. So how, but again, uh, he or she might be working and they're happy with their current job. What type of conversation would you have, whether it's the right to move or just stick it out and just stay where they are? 
Uh, and that's a really good question because I was in that situation. So my husband actually works in Hollywood. He's a director of photography at a studio here. And so he can't move. So he, we had made the decision based on this, this job that I was going to relocate. And then we would sort of do a transcontinental relationship for a while. And then he would decide in the future if he was going to relocate or not. Families are, you know, families are more complicated. And then when you have children, you know, it even compounds the issue because now you're talking about schools and all of that. So I would say if, if you're, if you have a partner or, or you're married and without children, it's still a little bit easier than with children. So weighing those options, if it's a promotion and it's going to move you up in a position, then I would say you have to have that conversation with your significant other about the benefits or, or, you know, negative connotations of that. I don't know about you, but I always do a pro con list and I always do, what are all the pros? What are all the cons? I kind of weigh them and then have a conversation with my partner about what makes the most sense. And then you're making a, a, a data driven decision on that. So let's go on to the end journey, which is you've relocated, you're working on your new job. How do you balance between getting used to your new environment in both uh, personal and professional. Like, what are some tips that you can provide for that? Sure. I think the first is usually somebody that already is you're working with is a, is a useful resource and they can help you connect with opportunities in the community to meet people. I don't say just go to bars and like meet people, but you know, there's community groups, there's churches, there's temples, you know, there's, so there's religious organizations, there's civic organizations, there's schools, there's uh, always, you can go in on Eventbrite. Like when I, when I moved to Washington, DC, I actually went on Eventbrite and I looked for a lot of free events that were going on where I was living because I was actually living in Maryland and commuting into DC. And it made me find things to do in the evenings when I wasn't working. So I wasn't sitting sort of home by myself. Loneliness is a big factor, especially if you're relocating by yourself and you don't have any family or friends in the area that you're relocating to. So connecting with some kind of community is usually helpful and going out after work, either if it's with colleagues or, you know, just to meet people, I think Eventbrite or, you know, going out with, with work friends is, is a good way, uh, connecting with community groups and then getting involved, you know, trying to find things to do in the off hours. Now it is going to be stressful in the beginning because there's a lot of adjustments that you have to make, Right figuring out, balancing your time, doing a lot of things that you're doing outside of work and getting established and getting set up. But in many companies, especially in larger companies, they always allow you for that ability for work-life balance. And again, that's a draw. So if you're relocating and you're applying for jobs where they have a strong sense of understanding the well-being of their employees then that means they will make time for you to adjust. And so they're not going to demand, you know, 12 or 14 hour work days. That's not to say it will always be the case, but it may or may not. And you'll get a feel for that as you start working, but take it slow, breathe a little bit. Don't put too much pressure on yourself and have fun. I mean, no matter where you go, there's always cool things to do, museums, cultural events, music, right? And, and since we're moving into that post-pandemic era where things are open now, I think it's a lot easier to get adjusted. 
So you've done two relocations, as you said earlier in this podcast. What were the things you learned to make the relocation the second time more efficient and pleasurable compared to the first time you relocated? Ah, good question. First time I actually relocated back to where I used to live. So I already had an established, like a lot of my friends who I went to high school with still live in the area. So I had a car so I could always drive and connect with them. So that was easy. What I learned was how important it is to have a support network, no matter where you are. And so I made sure when I relocated the second time, because I was by myself, that I, again, like I said before, connected with community groups, went out. Uh, I also started within my team uh, a weekly uh, lunch hour. So we would rotate where we would go to lunch to different places so that it also allowed me to kind of check out some of the restaurants and, and other things that were in the area near where we were working. So it gave me the idea of plotting out a map of things to do. And then, like I said, on the weekends, I would check the calendar of events that were going on and tried to take advantage of a lot of free events, especially cultural events. So that's what I learned is it's really important to have some sort of support network when you relocate. And for your second relocation, how long did it take you to adjust to your new environment? <laughs> it's funny. It took me about uh, two months and then COVID happened and everything shut down. And so then it was very isolating. So I got on an airplane and flew back to California from Washington, D.C., because we were working remotely anyway at that point. So and then our entire division got laid off. So that <laughs> so that was kind of like but these things happen. I mean, that's that's why I also said earlier on, don't jump in with two feet really quickly because you never know how things could happen. And, you know, I've, I've known several people who have relocated for jobs and then within a short amount of time, either they were let go or the job was eliminated or they weren't happy with the position and they were kind of stuck. So doing as much research as possible as you're applying for these jobs is really important. I would say, don't just apply to apply, really think about where you're applying to, what the draws are for that, what's important, and make sure it's a good fit for you. It'll alleviate some of the challenges that you'll face when you do relocate. So speaking of whether it's a good fit for you and not just applying blindly because you want to move, what are some red flags that you can share with us in terms of the interview process with these companies to make sure that you don't move out of the state for the wrong company? Good point. Don't relocate until you have a contract that's signed and confirmed. Because I've known people that thought they had the job, but they actually didn't. <laughs> and they relocated and then realized they didn't have the job. And they were kind of stuck in the town that they moved to and had to find something else. The other red flag is during that interview process, if there's not a good fit personality-wise with the person that's going to be your direct supervisor or your direct report, that's also a red flag because I think you won't be happy in the position and it'll affect your work product. So that's another one. And the third is cost. You know, if making a decision to relocate, right, there's a lot of factors and Again, sometimes people do take a pay cut in order to relocate because they're not happy where they are, but you want to factor in those costs of relocating and you don't want to get yourself in a position where you're going to be 
put in a negative. So be really clear and honest with yourself about your budget and the cost of living. You know, where I live in Southern California, it's pretty expensive. So you should do your research and understand what it costs to live here before you actually take the plunge and move. Because if you're not making enough to support yourself, that could be problematic as well. A little bit off topic, what's your thoughts in terms of remote working? I know there's a dispute right now where let's say you are working at a tech company and you want to move to a lower cost of living, but then they're going to adjust your salary based off that area. What's your thoughts on that? You think that's the right move or you think like they should be paid the same regardless of where they're located because you're paying them for the job, not where they're located? Yeah, that's a good point because that actually just came up in a conversation I was having with a friend. It's a tough call because I can understand from the company's perspective, right? They were paying you for the work that you were doing in San Francisco, for example, just to be specific about areas because that's the conversation I was having. And then went to remote. This person, this person that I know moved to a much cheaper place to live. And then the company's still allowing them to work remote, but then said, well, wait a minute, why are we going to, you know, why is your salary is based on living here and they cut it. And then the friend went, well, wait a minute, that's not fair. I should be getting what I was making before. That's a tough call. So again, there's pluses and minuses to that. I think surveys have shown and statistics have shown recently in the data that more people are happier now working remotely than they were before when they were commuting based on where they were. And quality of life has a lot to do with the cost of living. So even taking a slight salary cut, but having the cost of living be less where your money's still going farther, I think is a benefit and should be considered. Yeah. Like for example, if you work in Silicon Valley, sure, you make a ton of money, but living expenses is super high compared to if you take a pay cut to live somewhere cheaper. Yes, right. you have a smaller amount of salary, but salary actually goes farther there, right? So that's something exactly. you should consider. It's not always just black and white in terms of salary. You also have to put into the cost of living into account as well, right? Right, right. And and realize too that it's much more convenient. Like I, I work out of my house. And so now my my commute is basically from my bedroom to my office. And so all the time that I'm saving, not having to drive to an office, I'm now gaining in both work time as well as non-work time. That's a benefit. So that's, that's, that's worth a lot for me because it's, it's so much easier to do that. And the stress of not having to get on the Metro and like go to work and spend, you know, if it breaks down or it's delayed and then you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get to work. But now you don't have that. So I think there are benefits to remote working and we're, and we're seeing how the pandemic has transformed the workplace in so many ways. I think it'll be interesting to see in the next five years how people are with respect to job satisfaction with a combination of you know in-person working versus remote working. So that's also th- something to consider. Yeah, some are saying that it's got to be hybrid. People want that balance in terms of saving the commute time, but you also need to have collaboration because if everybody's working remote, there's no team environment, right? Right. And everybody's on burnout right now with respect to Zoom or other platforms. Like we've just... Uh, In my company, what we've done now is we were planning to do a lot of live Zoom professional development workshops, and we've now, we're now switching to self-guided modules so that people can do them at their own pace, because we realize after you've been on Zoom meetings all day, to be on Zoom workshops in, you know, in the off hours, people are just like burnt with that. 
And you're right. There's something to be said about people in the same space, like in person, the collaboration there is, is different than the collaboration virtually, even if you feel like you're in the same space. So again, I think hybrid is the best model. Uh, and hopefully we'll see some of that come back into play. So the first relocation, you moved back home, right? In that area. So you're obviously happy with that decision because you're close to your family and friends. Did you have any regrets uh, making the second relocation move? Looking back now, no. In the moment, yes, because it was different, right? I didn't have a, anyone there. And so it was it was much harder relocation than the first one, obviously. But I enjoyed the time in D.C. I really did. It's a it's a phenomenal city to live in. If you've never been there, I highly recommend like even visiting. Uh, there's a there's a vibe there and sort of an energy that doesn't really exist anywhere else, which is kind of interesting. But I wish the job would have continued. But now I look at it as an opportunity because I've learned from that and I've incorporated some of what I've been doing in my my company now. And I don't think that I would have started my own business and incorporated, and now I have a team of six working with me. I don't think I would have done that if I didn't have that experience and then you know, moved back and now started from scratch. Everything is always a learning experience. I, I, as an educator at heart, I always look at everything as an ability to understand more about yourself and others, and I think that really was what happened. And you know, if you do make poor choices or what you feel are bad choices or poor choices once you make them. Instead of dwelling on the negative, I always say, look at the positive, look at what you've learned from that. And then you always reflect back on that when you make another decision. Yeah, I agree that there's no thing as failures or regrets, right? It's, it's about learning lessons. And when it comes to regret, the, the saying goes, most people regret what they didn't do than what they did do, right? Exactly, exactly. Life is too short, you know? <laughs> exactly, 100%. Yeah, so not a lot of people travel the world or like work somewhere new. So again, we only have such a short time here. So give it a shot if you have the opportunity, right? And if it's of interest to you. Right, agreed, agreed. And I worked in, I, you know, I was, I spent six months in London when I was doing my graduate work. I've traveled extensively in Latin America and Europe. So I'm kind of a risk taker anyway, and I jump at new opportunities. It gets you out of your comfort zone. And I think that's another thing that's important too. And going back to your initial question of thinking about relocating and applying at places, sometimes people get so stuck in their comfort zone in their current position that they don't realize that they're not working up to or meeting their potential for growth and development. And sometimes you need that subtle nudge to do that. And that's why I think looking at opportunities is a good way to know more about where you are in your career path. There's no growth inside the comfort zone, right? It's only when you step out of it. Exactly. So let's summarize this quickly for someone who wants to relocate. What are the steps that one should take when it comes to a relocation from like applying to jobs, uh, researching the right state to move to, all that stuff before they decide to take the jump to relocate? Sure. I think first you have to do an assessment of where you are in your career. What do you like about the current position? What do you not like? If the not likes are the reason why you're considering applying for other positions, and it's not just salary based, but there are other factors, then I think the next step is to start looking at what positions are out there, uh, what kind of opportunities do you have, and then you know put together your resume, uh, talk with a, a job coach or employment coach, talk out some of those ideas with them. 
and then start applying and see what happens. I mean, if you've exhausted all of your resources where you are, then I do feel as though it's time to kind of move outwards. And then when you start limiting where you'd want to go based on either the opportunities that are available or your comfort zone of where you would move to, then I think you should get into more details about what opportunities are in those specific regions, apply specifically there, start looking at housing options, cost of living, uh, actually call moving companies and, and get estimates on how much it would be to move to those areas based on, you know, the, you know, how much you're taking, what you would want to take or not. Start doing like that kind of assessment and then just go for it and see what happens. Should you highlight why you are applying for this position when you're out of state or you, you shouldn't really mention it in your cover letter or resume? Well, I think if there's a question as to why you would want to move, I think definitely. But also they're going to be able to tell when you put your address on the application, if you're out of state or in state or out of country or in country. I think the more open you can be to a certain extent you don't want to spill all of the tea right but you know if it's a matter of you're looking for opportunities and this seems like a good fit i always focus on the positive of what are the skills that i'm bringing to the table that sort of are in alignment with the job description and then usually in the course of the interview when it's the phone or virtual interview first and then the in-person those questions will come out because obviously if they're going to invest in you and they're going to bring you into the position from another place that's going to be a factor. So I think that that all comes into play. Great. And I want to end this episode with one last question for you. So my podcast is about helping professionals overcome career challenges and obstacles. So throughout your career, what has been one big challenge that you had to overcome? And what steps did you take to overcome it to get to where you are today? Oh, oh my gosh, really good question. So for me, it's you hit a peak of where you are in with respect to uh, salary and experience that now there's a move in many industries to kind of look for someone who is a lower investment. And so the challenge is, you know, I'm I'm sort of in the middle of my career, but they'll bring someone younger in with less experience because one, they can pay them less and they can kind of shape them or mold them into what they want. And that's really difficult because in the same respect, what they want is output. And, you know, it's frustrating when you know that you have the skills to do the work, but you're kind of overlooked because of where you are in your career. That was a big challenge. So it's one of the reasons why I ended up saying enough and sort of leaving the corporate sort of world, so to speak, and starting my own company and being a little bit more entrepreneurial just because of that reason. And I could tap into my experience and expertise in my network and create those opportunities. That's been my personal challenge. And I'm much happier now than I was before. And that's why I say, you know, the best thing you can do is kind of know yourself really well, do your self-assessment, understand where you are, and above all, you need to be happy. If you are not a happy person, you cannot be a productive employee. So it's better, it's better to look for the place that's going to fit everything or mostly everything that you're looking for, for yourself, your career, but also what you can offer in the process. And then you'll be able to overcome those challenges. 
Great advice. And again, appreciate your time today, Don, to talk about relocation and helping my listeners strategize their relocation if they decide to do so. So how can people connect with you to learn more about what you do and how you'll be able to help them? Sure. Well, they can check out my website. It is DMDS Partners Incorporated, DMDS Inc., Partners Inc., they can always email me. And in fact, Max, I can, you can share my, I'll send you my business email and you can share my email with them. I'm on Facebook, so they can just look for me on Facebook. I'm really open I, in my career. I've always mentored students and young people, especially in workforce development and career path and mentoring. So I'm more than happy to share my expertise with, with others. That's great, Don. Again, I appreciate the time and enjoy the rest of your year. You too. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you again to Don for coming on my show to share her experience and advice on when to relocate and how to relocate effectively so you hit the ground running in your new city and in your new job. If you want to hear my insights on key themes discussed in this episode, make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday, available on all popular podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. As a reminder, if you are currently a professional looking to either land a new opportunity or need some career advice to help take your career to the next level, then make sure to join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan. I will leave a link in the show notes, or you can type my Facebook group name on Facebook in order to find it and join a growing community of professionals looking to up their game to get to that next level. Again, this is Chan with The Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.